0: Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Bass Boat podcast on the Serious Angler Network. And as promised from last week's show, kind of to follow up everything that we did with the most visited lakes in the country tournament-wise, um, I thought it would be no better situation than to bring on the guy kind of behind the event planning at BASS, and that is Mr. O- Eric lopez Wow. Eric Lopez. Sorry, man. Let's see if we can bring him into the stream. Eric, how are you, man?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Dude, I'm doing good. Everything is uh, everything's good. I'm out here in Colorado, and it's actually 87 degrees today, which is uh, hotter than I expected.
1: That's warm. That's the weather that we're getting down here in Birmingham, which is to be expected here, though.
0: Yeah, sure. No yeah. doubt. You got a little bit of humidity to go with that, though. We're kind of a dry heat out here.
1: Yeah, no one feels sorry for
0: you guys. You're in a beautiful
1: part of uh, the world. Not to say anything against where I'm at right now. But yeah, you got the mountains, you got water, you got everything out there. So I'm jealous.
0: This is true. This is true. We don't have nearly as big of bass, though, and we're so not what? around as much water. But I'm it's with beautiful. you. It's it's a nice place to live, no doubt. Yeah.
1: Sure.
0: Awesome. Well, man, uh, you know, really the concept or the, the reason I really wanted to get you on this show was to talk about kind of your your background and everything that you do with bass. But first I wanted to kind of dive in, we'll dive right into what is um kind of your background and how you got into the role that you're in with Bass.
1: Sure. Absolutely. Um first off, thanks for having me. I, I, I appreciate it. Um very much so. Uh I have kind of a unique background compared to most people um on the other side of that door, um, I'm in our main office right now, like I said, in Birmingham. And my, my background has always been on the operations and, and logistics side of sports. Um, I was working at ESPN in the uh, event department when ESPN purchased Bass years ago. Um, I'm a lot older than, than I look, um, but uh, I was working on an event that uh, a couple other people and I kind of got going from the beginning called the Great Outdoor Games, which was modeled after the X Games. Uh, and then I was also working on the X Games and, and some other events when, when ESPN acquired Bass. Uh, prior to that, kind of how it got into uh, ESPN, it was one of the more common questions that, that I would get. Yeah. Um, it really uh, – I grew up – I was born and raised in Chicago, and World Cup soccer came to the U.S. in, in 94 – and I, I was a freshman in college and I went to school at DePaul in Chicago, which is not, if anyone's familiar, it's not far from Soldier Field at all, uh, where they hosted opening ceremonies. And I was a volunteer uh, for World Cup soccer. And and I was able to kind of serve as a little mini recruiter and, and got a bunch of people to volunteer. The higher ups like that, they kind of pulled me under their wing and I became friends with them. and And basically did whatever they asked me to, because I was just so amazed by this whole other world that existed, the world of sports um, at the international level. I mean, I've always grown up watching traditional sports, but World Cup soccer was new. I didn't know anything about it at the time other than soccer. I mean, I I was a fan of that, but for it to be in the States and, and to participate in it was really cool. And I've always been interested in the behind the scenes, like how things get done when you go to an event. What's over there and, and on the backside? So um, I, I was really enthralled with that. Long story short, these people, for the next several years while I was in college, I'd spend my summers or I'd take a semester off here and there um, to go work other sporting events. I, I worked the Olympics. Um, I worked a, a bunch of uh, different events like that. And I really thought that that was the, the path that I was going to go down, Turner Sports. So I worked with them on an event called the Goodwill Games. Um, that used to travel around the world. And and I really thought, like I said, that that was the the path that I was establishing for myself. Uh, And then when I was uh, up in Lake Placid working on the Winter Goodwill Games, um, ESPN was also in town getting ready to do a one-time event called the Great Outdoor Games. And they asked me to be involved through mutual connections that I met at the Olympics. And and, uh, I said, sure, I'll do it. It was a six-month gig. And then the event was so popular, that six-month job ended up turning into uh, basically where I'm at right now. I mean, wow. just, yeah, to be honest, uh, yeah. that, that was in 99, beginning of 2000. Um, the, the Great Outdoor Games ended up renewing for five, six years. We did numerous events while we were doing the Great Outdoor Games. Um, I was also, like I said, working on the X Games. And then ESPN had acquired Bass. Uh, and ESPN is is owned by the Walt Disney corporation. And, and, uh, it was one of my roles on the event side of things to kind of bring bass at the time was a mom and pop company, um, pretty, pretty small, sizable operation, but still small in the grand scheme of things compared to other sports to kind of bring it up to speed from an event standpoint and, and really take it to that next level, uh, from a filming standpoint. ESPN really um, elevated the sport and brought it to the masses, where it was always on TV, but you kind of had to seek it out. Then all of a sudden, it it was there for people who weren't familiar with the sport, and that ended up attracting millions and millions of new viewers. So obviously, with all these additional people and and attracting new fans, we needed to come up with a game plan. What is going to be the on-site experience? What are these events going to look like? Um, when we're broadcasting them literally to the world because they were always broadcast regionally before. Um, so that, that was a game changer. So I was, I was part of that crew um, that, that implemented uh, all those changes and enhancements that I like to call uh, it was definitely a trial and error. And, and, you know, the one thing I, I will say, which we talk about this pretty often is I've, I have a lot of friends that work in the sports world and, and all aspects. And, and like I said, I, I follow all sports. Uh, but the playbooks for basketball, baseball, football have all been written. You're you're just tweaking things a, a little, sure. bit, but they've all been established. Fishing, we're we're literally writing the playbook. I mean, th- there's no set rules out there. How do you how do you bring 5,000 people lakeside in the middle of nowhere and bring camera crews to it? So um, I don't want to say we're making it up as we go along because we we've, we've been doing it for years and we have a good formula. But we get we got to write the formula and and in order to be able to continue to go to different locations um, and, and bring bring fans to us, we have to continue to reinvent ourselves, And, and that's what's really attractive to me. Uh, and that, that's what kind of pulled me over to this side and then then kept me here uh, for such a long time. And if you were to ask me years ago, do did I see myself working in bass fishing for, I've done, I, I oversee the operations of the classic. I, I've done 16, 17 classics now. And I wouldn't have said that in a million years, but it's, it's that exciting and entertaining to me. And there's so much growth potential that it always seems like we're doing something new and enhancing it and, and watching all the fans come through. I, I'm one of those people that thrive on, on having large crowds. I, I believe in, in live sports and, and live live site crowds. So, so we look at it and continue to look at it as a challenge. So, so then obviously we had the change with um, in, in TV partners recently so now now we're on FS1 but we've had great relationships with with all those companies along the way that kind of help elevate us to that next level and that's exactly what we're doing right now with our our new TV partner
0: awesome awesome man well that is a a, a great background and uh, a lot to unpack there um to me that is I, I think it's really cool when someone finds their passion like that i mean you and it sounds like when you in those early days you were in college and just volunteering at a uh, an event that was world soccer was in chicago basically yep. and then you had just recruited other students basically mm-hmm. to to, to kind of that's just so cool to me and then they're like man this guy's really passionate about this and he enjoys this it's it's cool um that you kind of had the self-awareness to realize that I really like seeing what's behind this and behind that at the event. And now you've taken it into this awesome, long, fulfilling career. That's, uh, I don't know. I don't, I think that's, uh, not everyone finds that, you know, it was,
1: it was a really roundabout way. Um, mm-hmm. I, I can sit back in hindsight and, and say, yeah, it went exactly the way it was supposed to. I mean, <laughs> I'd be joking. I mean, my, my family's background is, is in finance, and I was supposed to be an accountant, like my older brother and my father. And yeah. that's kind of what I was going to school for. I was going to business school. In the meantime, I was doing these other these, these events, and, and they were huge events. Um, at the time, I didn't realize I could make a career out of it. Um, at the time, it was just something that I was doing for fun. But the more I, I continued to do it and more I realized, hey, this is really interesting, like, what if I, I do take a chance? And then and then I ended up when I graduated, I, I uh, accepted a job offer with, with a bank uh, in the world of finance. And, yeah. and then someone who I had worked with along the way got wind of that and, and basically said, we're about to lose Eric to the banking world. And he called me and made me an offer to go work at this, the Special Olympic World Games. They move around the world every four years, just like uh-huh. the Olympics, and they're the same size of the Olympics in terms of uh, the number of athletes and and competitions. They differ in the size of the, the number of attendees, uh, sure. but televised as, as well, and And he was doing that. That was in the U.S. at the time in North Carolina, and okay. he's like, what are, what are these companies offering you? And I basically gave him this package. He's like, that's awesome. And they basically offered me almost half of that and said, we can't give you any of the benefits, and and do you want this opportunity and i'm like sold and cool. uh and it was cool and, and then i had to call my father and kind of explain what i was doing and, <laughs> and was like, well you're you're on your own son and yeah, good luck this far but uh, i can't help you and uh, so it was definitely nerve-wracking at, at the time because it was a leap i was stepping out of my comfort zone um but uh it, it was a whole new world and and, and I appreciate you, you saying that I mean it, it was something that that a lot of it was luck if, if World Cup soccer didn't come to the US I, I don't know that I would have been here but it was a series of different decisions along the way where I had the opportunity to reset and I found myself going back to the, the same thing
0: like, sure. so yeah following that same route well I appreciate you sharing that the other side of it too is I think that that's not always talked about you know you can always talk about the the great um, you know this was exactly where i fell into and the, the plan went like this but showing that other side of it um i think is important for people to realize that you know you, you may have to go against the grain in some way whether it be your your parents or um whatever society's kind of telling you to do if it's something you truly believe in and have that passion for um you sure. can absolutely away
1: and and it's something that i i hear time and time again with the with the anglers that we speak to at all levels um, the whole follow your passion. I don't want to make it cheesy or anything, but but I think that's one of the things that, that attracts me to the world of sports in general and, and our side of it with, from a fishing standpoint, because I'm like, I recognize what, what, what people are saying and I understand when they're like, you know, I really am supposed to be doing this, but can I can I really take that leap and and make a living doing something else? It's scary. You can, some people do, obviously some people don't, but uh, I think it's worth the gamble, so.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, it, and that's, uh, I saw something the other day that was like, why do kids, um, like athletes so much professional athletes? And it's because like a, a big portion of it was like this, these people follow their dreams. I mean, it, they did everything they could to get their dream done. You know? Right.
1: Right. Absolutely. And, and that's important. And I, I think it's equally important to recognize at the end of the day, it's still a job and I'll, I'll get in it, And I'm sure you do. People say you, they use the phrase when they meet you, you get to do this. I can't believe you get to do this. Um, When I work directly for ESPN and some of these other organizations, like you get to, and sure it was cool initially. um, And, and I enjoyed my my time there. I mean, I I love working with them for them, but it's still a job and it's a very, very challenging job. And, and you get over the, the initial allure very, very quick. And the, the 60, 70, 80 hour weeks when you're in go time, definitely make up for it. And and I mean you know that. I mean and, and take a look at the hours that, that are involved in, in our sport here and what what's required. So so that's the side of it that a lot of people don't see. Um, and yeah. but we have to remind ourselves and and what what uh, some others uh, say here that that we say to, to ourselves is nothing against finance. Anyone who's listening, like I said, I, I was raised by, by financiers, but at the end of the day I get to say I'm not working at banking. I mean, when I when I have a tough day, I'm still I'm still working in sports. I'm still working in yes. fishing, and I'm dealing with a completely different set of, set of issues. So, and I I personally like that. So.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, everyone has their own path, and I, I like it, man. I think that there's a a lot of upside to to following your passions. Um, so let's go a little bit into, I guess your your current role now. Mm-hmm. With bass so um we were talking a little bit before the show you had just you guys were just literally out in uh california i think la but you were meeting with folks um from fox and and just kind of going over things there i mean um what what's your kind of role in those situations when you're going to do that i mean being event operations are you everything from on the ground also the tv stuff i'm just curious where it kind of fits
1: Fox, absolutely yeah, again, there, there's no norm for how a fishing organization is set up. So we, we, we've really modeled ourselves off of what other uh, leagues do. Um, Bass is unique in the sense that we're a true multimedia company, meaning that we have the event operations, which is me, and I'll get into that. Uh, uh, but then the, the website and then our television studios where we film our shows in, in Little Rock. Um, and then the magazine, we have all that in house, and there's not a whole lot of companies that that have all those elements in house. So, gotcha. The event operations portion of my job require or involves really the the execution, um, the logistics of the the Bassmaster Classic and the Bassmaster Elite Series. We'll make the the kind of cheesier, corny uh, explanation um, or um, uh, meaning, basically. I'm sorry. Uh, if you compare it to a baseball game, this is the, the field. Yep. You have the baselines. Anything that takes place in those baselines, rules, regulations, competition. For us, making sure that there's uh, um, the, the, the right body of water, uh, that there's a, the right list of anglers, um, that, that there's all, all the rules in place. Everything that our tournament department manages, they take care of what happens within those baselines, okay. uh, your field of play. Anything that's outside those baselines, for the most part, falls under um, one of my umbrellas, um, making sure that there is a stadium. In our case, with the exception of the Classic for the Elite Series, we build a stadium. Um, yeah. There's no infrastructure where we're going. Um, we're literally showing up lakeside with nothing there, no power, no Internet, nothing. Um, and so we're, we're bringing the the traveling circus, so to speak, where we're, my, my team and I have a team. Um, here, so it's it's not me, and that's not what I'm insinuating. It, uh, they're working right now while they see my door close and they're like, oh, he's doing another interview again. Um, but uh, um, no, all, all the warehousing, all the trucking, all, all those logistics. And if you go to an event, an Elite Series event that you see, we bring with us. So so we, my team handles all that for the Bassmaster Classic. Everything that you see in the expo, if you've ever been to our expo floor, we're yeah. responsible for for the layout and the design. Um, working with the cities on the execution. The, the cities that we go to play a very integral role. Um, they become a very close partner. So managing the relationship with the cities um, in terms of the execution, all the permitting, all, all the law enforcement, police, uh, yeah, all the all stuff that people don't typically think about. We don't want them to have to think about them. We want them to show up and have a good time. Um, I'm the person you're cursing when the lines are long. How come things aren't moving and stuff like that? <laughs> and and it's how do we get these people in faster? Things like that. So, so that that's that's my role from the operations hat that I wear. From a TV side of things, we have a whole separate TV division. Um, and that's the our folks that work. Uh, uh it's called JM. It's, it's all part of Bass. It's all yeah, one Jim family so here. Uh-huh. Um, but they're in Little Rock, Arkansas. So. So what I like about the operations role, and this is true at at a lot of organizations, sport organizations and others, is that from an operations standpoint, you really have to understand how all the other departments uh, work in order Mm -hmm. to be successful, because we're the ones that are really pulling everything together. We're the ones that are, are choosing the locations on site first, executing it. First one's in, last one's out literally at the classic, we're the ones that are given the keys to the building and hand them back after everything's gone. We do the initial walkthrough and the final walkthrough. Um, and and I like that, but again, we have to understand how all those other departments work. TV is, is a completely separate beast. We have a great relationship with them. Sales, the same thing. I sit right next to the sales department. So, so there's a lot of different tasks that have a dotted line to the world of operations. Um, But your sales folks aren't necessarily always going to be on site. So we have to understand what their needs are um, so we can make sure our sponsor's needs are taken care of. When I was at, to go back to your question specifically about like my role in in meetings with with Fox Sports. Sure. um, We also do the scheduling. uh, And that's something that we acquired more recently within the past several years. Uh, We've already had that relationship with the host cities in terms of building the events. Um, we're now involved in, in working on the the initial choosing the, the locations. And I gave you my background. I said I was born and raised in Chicago, which I was growing up watching traditional sports. Yeah. I, I want people to understand. I mean, we're at Bass. I have access to the best anglers in the world, some of which are on staff. I'm bringing together all their ideas, all their talents, all their suggestions. Davey Height is on staff with us here. Mark Zona, our, our MC, I, I speak with those guys regularly. Davey Height's a, a former classic champ. Um, so I, I would be remiss if I wasn't getting his thoughts on on what lakes we should be going to and what time of year, working with our, our tournament department um, on their suggestions and then pulling the anglers as well. So for the sake of Fox, we're trying to identify what makes the most sense when those shows should air in relation to other things that are going on on TV. You know, there's a lot of comments that we get when we release the schedule. I'm sure you've seen some of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Some of them are positive. Some of them are negative. A a lot of them are people just not, not familiar with the process. So um, we want to make sure that the majority, uh, the majority of people who want to watch these events can watch these events and we have to make sure they don't conflict uh, with other things that are on TV because if we just put out a, a schedule without checking then then no one's going to see it and we want we want to take it to the masses and continue to grow the sport and make sure we have the best window the best times uh, for the event. So those are the conversations that we were having with with Fox and and since we're, we're still new last year was our first year we're starting mm-hmm. to establish what those trends are and how we correlate. there's crossover between, our audience and the NASCAR audience, so we've established okay. a good relationship there, where they succeed, we succeed. But there's also a crossover that we found during um, um, the Super Bowl and and during sure. Major League Baseball games. Um, so so those are all new data points that, that we're taking a look at, and we're saying, how does that make uh, watching fishing better? And I know that's probably new or, or confusing to some folks, but but all those things kind of have to sync up not just for our sport, for those other sports as well. There are people who are, who are working on schedules for, for NASCAR and other sports are saying, well, when are those bass fishing folks doing their event? Because that affects our schedule. Um, All these things have to have um, basically uh, I hate using the word because it just sounds like corporate speak, but synergy um, in in order for everyone to, to succeed.
0: So gotcha. That's incredible. And I I really, uh, I didn't think through that process as well, but like, it's really important, uh, with those new data points to see where you have your crossover. I mean, it's, you can't, you can't be playing, uh, you know, some big NASCAR race the same time the Bassmaster classic is, or an elite series event in general. Um, so I didn't really think through that process. So thanks for sharing that insight. So really, so is Fox kind of being that mediator with the synergy or are they saying, Hey, here's your windows. You guys build events around this. And so then you're taken back and saying, okay, what bodies of waters would be good for this time of the year?
1: So we're trying to do it um, in conjunction with each other. So no one, and it's going to make it sound even more confusing. No one's really driving the force. I mean, if uh, I, I will, it would be very challenging for us if all of a sudden, and, and there were a lot of people who I, I saw, um, we don't put a whole lot of comments to take a, or uh, um, emphasis on on some of the, the more challenging comments that, that we get. But I remember seeing yeah. people, the concern, like, oh, ESPN is going to dictate everything. And that's really not how it works at all. Um, and that's not how it works with Fox too. They're not telling us when to air the shows, but they're like, you know, if you can somehow sync up this weekend and this weekend, then we can do this. If you can't, we understand that. Then our next, next opportunity might, might do this. You know, we, sure. we start the season. We have been starting the season somewhere in Florida uh, which sinks up around Daytona. So the mm-hmm. idea of spending your morning with, with Bass and then your after two afternoons with NASCAR and Daytona, I mean, ha- has resonated this past year. We we aired the final day of the placa event um, the the morning of the Super Bowl. And that did very, very well. Um, and, and, and Fox liked it, we liked it. Um, I'd like to think the Super Bowl liked it, but uh, <laughs> we'll do that. Um, I, like I like it. I like it sounds it. cool to say it out loud. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it went, it went very well. And, and people have specific viewing habits that, that they have all that data for. So, so again, we would be silly if we weren't tapping into that. And the last thing Absolutely. we want to do is just say, Hey, when can we show the shows? Give us the windows. We're, we're grateful to have a partner to say, okay, let's try to work with each other as much as we possibly can. So everyone succeeds. Bowling is another event that, that. We learned over there's a strong crossover and it's not necessarily people who like to bowl like to fish sure. I mean, we, we get that but it's also people who enjoy watching bowling and we're also talking about the different technology that's involved in the sport when we have conversations with them it's like you know we're using these um, this type of uh, device, whatever it is, drone shots so over in this sport, um, we'd love to work with your production team to see if we can somehow figure out how to bring it in over here for fishing. So like I said earlier, I'm, I'm here in Birmingham, and if anyone uh, has been watching, the, the new football league that started is called the USFL, um, and it's a joint property that's owned by uh, NBC, but predominantly Fox. So Fox has all coverage for... A lot of those games, the entire league is playing all their games here. So some of the stuff, the technology that they're using over there, they're at USFL, they're they're testing new technology, basically. Um, They're they're talking to us about, well, is there something that we can incorporate into fishing? And as the governing body, um, the the protectors of the sport, we're, we're well aware that we have to be very careful, not just to say, hey, yeah, that sounds cool. Let's do this. Let's do this. Um, there's a lot of stuff that we're going to say no to, because we have to make sure that, that we're still, uh, providing at the end of the day, um, that component that attracts the majority of people, if not all people to fishing, that it's something that, that anyone can go out there and do. And you and it, it, it can be, can be relaxing, but could also be very tense. Um, it, it, it needs to be all things to all people. We're not going to just send it in, in one particular direction and, and just throw, fireworks and all these crazy things at it um, that maybe maybe there's room for it somewhere but not everywhere and, and that's something again that that's because we are the keepers of the sport we, we need to make sure that we continue to appeal to our, the purists our true fans the fans that have been with us um, who are are well into their their older years and have been with us since they were kids to the kids youth So it's like, how do you appeal to all those audiences? You can't be all things all the time. So you can be bits and pieces along the way. So we want to have those, that new technology at certain instances, the video games, things like that, but none of it's going to be completely in your face um, because we still have to make sure that the, the portion of our audience that might not be interested in video games is still interested in watching our shows. If that makes sense.
0: Sure. Sure. No, that absolutely does. Um, I, I, I mean, to me, I guess the other thing I got to thinking through in your first comments there talking about the allure to bass fishing for you being that it was still, I mean, in its beginning stages, relatively speaking from a sports thing, that's what makes it so cool with, with all of the different TD aspects to me and the new technology. This is all a playbook that is being written from the media side right now. And, um, it would be a disservice if we didn't mention um we've mentioned our other shows but this will air the following monday it've been a week but uh ray scott passing away the original founder of bass um you know that uh, that is someone i mean it, it, there's no other founder right in a sport that is around today by any means with something like this so it's really cool to still be in the the good old days if you will at this stage um, in it so that's i i understand some of that allure that you may have had even not having a fishing background of seeing this and, and pushing into this category
1: sure absolutely and, and that's a great point yeah the the news hit us hard here um when when we found out um and and i knew ray uh personally and, and i'm one of the people that have put him on stages over the years at, at our events and and, and had a great relationship with him. And and right now we're we're in the process of trying to figure out how to continue to honor his legacy um, with us. And, and actually, as a quick aside, um, where I was earlier this morning was driving down to Montgomery uh, to get one of his famous uh, uh, fringe jackets and his Stetson. Because wow. We have an elite next week. And I want to come up. We want to come up with a way to to honor him. So we're going to do something with, with his clothes. And, and right away, his foundation said, yeah, absolutely. So they loaned that to us for, for the next year. So we're going to display that. But but uh, I was okay. talking to uh, uh, James Hall, who oversees our magazine just a, mm-hmm. a couple of days ago about this. And and Ray Ray was P.T. Barnum. I mean, he he literally was, and, and he predates me in, in terms of when he was involved with the operations of, of Bass and, and the the Classic, but uh, we have pictures of him entering the, the Classic ar- arena on an elephant, and I've heard that story many, many times, and one time he descended from a spaceship that was built, and oh and, and I love those things, and, and that's one of the things that, that I think is important, and he had that vision um, to be able to say, hey, you know what, um, it I mean going back to baseball if you build it will they come and it's like well you have to give them a reason to come and and that's something that that he definitely believed in and and the fanfare. So we love the fanfare and that was where I'm like, you know there there is a role for for someone with my background at, at Bass. And and when I first heard about the classic before I I had even seen it I was I was very curious. I'm like my background is producing events and fanfare and spectacle and things like that. And what place does that have in bass fishing? And then my boss said, you have to come down. The first classic that I went to and witnessed was in Birmingham. And uh, I came down and I saw it. I'm like, all right, I get it. And I'm like, if I could be wowed by this, anyone can. So I'm like, sign me up. I'm on board.
0: Oh, oh man. It's such a cool atmosphere. Um, the couple of classes, classics I've attended have just been, uh, incredible. And, uh, and, uh, it's great to hear that that is all, um, designed by you I mean that fanfare side I think is is something that I thought maybe a little bit was like okay you know especially during the COVID time and that kind of a thing how much of this and with how good TV coverage is how much of this is it are we really going to have a a push from fans to get there and go and immediately during after COVID that all that situation um goes away when you get to the classic you're like okay this like i don't i love watching it live i love watching the event sitting on my couch but this experience is just incredible you know the whole the whole atmosphere
1: well we appreciate you hearing that or saying that i mean yeah
0: yeah um well let's get into a little bit back back towards the event planning and the scheduling side of things um so how far out are you generally aware and obviously you know anglers don't know for for a long time and that kind of a thing but like i mean the 2023 schedule so we're about halfway through the elite series season right now are you already pretty locked in for 2023 uh or is it like all right i gotta kind of figure some more stuff out or are you not even close where does that kind of stand for you on an annual basis
1: um you mentioned COVID a little bit ago and that's Mm -hmm. really changed everything for everyone okay Uh, and and we, and when I say we, I'm referring to people in, in the sports world, um, in general, all sports, um, and, and events. Um, I'm sorry. It may have gotten a little dark. My, I have a motion sensor light and <laughs> so still, I don't know if it's,
0: if it's you, okay. it, you still look great, but it, all good. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, but, uh, we're pretty much, uh, for the most part, wrapped up for, for 23, to be honest. Um, okay. we, we like to get as far out as we possibly can. So we're also well into conversations for 24 and, and believe it or not, 25, awesome. uh, which, which is a good position uh, for us to to be in. I, I've spent a lot of time talking about the Fox coverage, and, and that's definitely something that all of a sudden people are like, whoa, this is a lot of TV. Yeah. We love that. Um, but, um, what has changed quite a bit is that, um, uh, we're unfortunately, I mean, as, as, much as I want, I want to think about it or don't want to think about it, we're, we're still not done with COVID and it's not done with us. And that has a, a direct effect, um, on sports, um, and entertainment. And, and I saw that, uh, like I said, I was being in Los Angeles last week and, and, and I deal with it on a daily basis. You know, one of the the questions that, that we've gotten in the past couple of years or when the schedule came out is you're going to all the same lakes again. And, and I we kind of chuckle because it could be eight years since we've been to a lake. And then someone will say that you we were just there. I'm like, it was eight years ago. Um,
0: but... Um, Because it sits in people's heads so well, like that scene of someone winning on some place. We
1: get it. I I say the same thing about a (laughs) a lot of other things too, and it's like it's okay when I say it about other sports, but if
0: someone's like, "Hey, I get it," it." Um,
1: but no, we're we're all fans at the end of the day. Um, But but what happened with COVID is all the cities, every city across the country cut back drastically on what they were doing and what they were comfortable with bringing if a city was hosting um maybe say a mid-sized city would have 20 big events a year all of a sudden that 20 became five and and they still wanted to be able to host something and those five events were probably going to be events that didn't really travel that far Um, a lot of people would never think this and they they shouldn't have to but Our biggest competition is is not from other fishing tournaments. It's from running races, cycling races, parades, um, different festivals and towns, because those are all the event. When we go into a city, um, when most organizations like us that move around and the Super Bowls in that category, NCAA basketball tournaments, big events that, that move around the country like like ours. Um, You always have to work with either a a local chamber of commerce or a tourism bureau. You have to have a host, basically, someone who is your your feet on the ground, um, someone who who is looking for the advertising, obviously, of the events. um, And and those are the ones that, that bring events like ours to the city. Um, we can't just show up in a location. That's another thing. Why don't you guys just go here? It's like, give us a contact and, and we'll sh- see if we can, but we need a contact there. Sure. So all these contacts um, all of a sudden said, you know, we're, we host 20. We're only going to host five. And of these five, we want to only bring in the people who we have our strongest relationships with or are a proven commodity or don't have to travel. So it makes sense when, when you think about what's happened. Like the, the past year or so, because the schedule's made a year in advance, we were heavily in the South, Southeast, a couple yeah. Northern locations, uh, but that's exactly what was happening in the South, Southeast early. You know, bass is a proven commodity down here. They said, yeah, you know how many cities that we went to this past, last year and this this year that have said, you know, we said no to 70% of our other events, but we brought you in. Wow. So we were grateful for that. Sure. Um, but when we're having conversations with cities, maybe in Northern or or a little bit to the West of us, the same thing, we potentially are some of those events that are, are being cut uh, because budgets are cut. I mean, it, it's not easy to put on an event like ours. I mean, the, the payoff is definitely there, uh, but on, on the forefront, I mean, budgets were cut, the infrastructure isn't there, staffs were laid off, so they don't have the ability to host an event. I mean, when, when Elite Series shows up, from, from before you get into the fans, spectator or anglers, I mean, we're bringing about 50, 60 people just on our own. And we all have counterparts in the yeah. city that, that have to have communications with people. How are we, where are we gonna put billboards up? How are we gonna advertise the event? Um, who's gonna get us all the stuff that we need? Um, are, are we gonna be able to get forklifts to offload our trucks? Can we get our trucks there? The, the trucking crisis alone that a lot of people are familiar yeah. with. We have semis that we have to get around the country. So so we were affected pretty hard by that. And that delayed a lot of the schedules. You saw some of the other organizations, their schedules didn't come out until later because cities were saying, we're not 100% sure if we can bring you in, we won't know until later. So that really has ruled the the past couple of years. Now, a lot of that is starting to change, thankfully, uh, for the positive. So there are cities that that, um, we're talking to. Um, that said, you know, I'm sorry, I couldn't talk to you last year, but I want to talk. In order to get to the, the nine Elite Series events, we'll have conversations with probably about 40 to 45 different wow. cities. Wow. Um, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. And and you, yeah. and you have to. And, and beyond that, we're staying in touch with a lot more cities just throughout the year. Um, so we handle within our little division here, the, the Elite Series and the, the scheduling of the Classics as well. Um, but then the other tournament managers, if you're familiar with Bass, with our opens, the nation, the college oh, yeah. um, and high school, those circuits all have tournament managers. They handle the scheduling for all of their circuits um, on their own. So we have to make sure we're working with each other as well um, and sure. not schedule an elite the same weekend as an open. Um, I'm going to hold it up real quick here and I'll move it very quick so no one can focus on it. <laughs> and slow it down, but, but basically it's a blank calendar for for wow. next year um, but it has all the dates that we can't go on top of that calendar is almost full with dates that we can't go on top of so sure. when you add up the the fishing time frame basically we we typically start like in february and then then we don't like to go much past august yep. you add up people don't want to fish. i mean if, if if i were to pull the anglers and the sponsors I think there's six different holidays that they don't want us to, to be on. And because of the travel schedule, they have to get there before for practice, obviously. One holiday takes out a two-week period. So, sure. so we have to take a look at, at all those things uh, as well. So, um, so that's why we have conversations with as many cities as we possibly can. Um, we have to take into account uh, fuel. Fuel is a huge, huge thing. Um, I I wish we had a better answer uh, to our friends out West. I don't know what kind of viewership you have out West, but you're you're pretty far West, um, that we would love to be able to get out there more. And and we were looking at it closely, uh, but from a driving standpoint, it takes, I mean, we we have semis, like I said, so we follow DOT rules. Our drivers can only drive eight hours a day uh, per federal regulations. It could take us six, seven days to get our equipment out there, depending on where it's coming from. Yeah. Um, and, and obviously, with fuel costs, that that's driving a lot. So, like I said, we have 60 people plus 100 anglers plus all the sponsors. So, we, and and then with the fuel costs rising, we're like, oh no, come on, this has to go down. So, we, we can try to get back out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, we, we talk to as many cities as we possibly can. There are uh, again, 40 plus. They're not all going to be one of those nine cities, so that's why we extend those conversations into 2024 as well. And and cities are grateful. So some of the cities that we're going to uh, in 23 we set up a year and a half to two years ago, mm-hmm. um, and and we appreciate everyone's patience with with us. But a lot of it is COVID, and and a lot of it is we're we're trying to change things up here. The again, I, I keep going back to it because it's so significant. The Fox coverage is a game changer. All of a sudden, that kind of put us ahead of some of the other events that, that a city may bring to town. Because, I mean, we're, we're live for eight hours on Saturday and Sunday total. And and that that's significant that, that a city wouldn't be able to get that coverage um, through any of your, your other local events that you're doing. So, again, that's why I say we're, we're competing against maybe it's, it's a, a marathon that someone's doing. And I don't sure. want to say don't do a marathon. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a runner, I do marathons and I, and I, and I love them. Um, but I'm like, what kind of coverage are you getting out of that marathon? I mean, because yeah. there's the direct economic impact uh, and that's the money that, that goes into that city the week that the event is there. And then you have the indirect and that's what happens after those shows air and people say, hey, you know what? We're planning a vacation. They did an elite series there. We saw all the pros there. Let's plan our fishing vacation around there. And that happens quite a bit. So we want to make sure um, we're, we're spreading it around as much as we possibly can. The past couple of years, it's been a little bit more challenging to spread it. But we're, we're coming back and, and cities are, are coming back um, now, which which is good to see.
0: So. No doubt. No doubt. Well, uh, I ran a marathon in 2019. And uh, let's congrats, man. Brutal, man. Yeah, they're 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 a lot of fun, though. It was it was a good, incredible experience, life lifetime experience for me. I'd like to run another one someday. But man, you have to take out so much time. I mean, I, you know, 10, 15, 20 hours of your week, you know, especially towards the end there. Yeah, you start burning up some time. But that's awesome.
1: Yeah, you know, as a quick aside, the reason I got into running is because I'm traveling to all these events, and it's the easiest way to go explore a city. I mean, literally, was, I, I'm just going to pack a pair of shoes and I'm going to go explore the city, and then I'm like, you know what? I, I should try running, and then I kept running. It's it's the dumbest story, um, <laughs> and then I just kept going further and further, and then I'm like, hey, you know what? What if I do a marathon? And and then sure enough, that that kind of became my pastime, and. And it's, it's really cool. So a lot of the anglers and, and uh, the people in the city, if, if you're at an Elite Series, you'll, you'll, you'll see me running around the town. And that's kind of how I get my day going. And, and I don't go to the takeoffs. Uh, everyone, uh, they always say, if I do show up at a takeoff, more than likely it's because there's some significant weather issue. And people don't like seeing me at the takeoff. They're like, oh, no, here's Eric. Uh-huh. Uh, here. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, normally I'm just kind of running through, just saying hello to people.
0: I like it. I like it. Well, and to me running too, like, um, so here I'm pretty close here to the mountains. And so I do, especially when I I don't run all that much now I run and and lift kind of very minuscule runs, like three mile runs, that kind of thing. But I was trail running a lot in the mountains. And, um, my roommate in college is a big mountain biker. And so he would always talk about mountain biking and, um, and it was fun. I'd mountain bike with him too, but running, it was slow enough that I could really take in the whole surroundings. that makes sense from, from a travel standpoint, I've never done that. I've run out a lot of places that I've traveled to, but I haven't really run through the city. It's always like kind of go here, but that's a good point to kind of explore the city is to, to go, go for a run.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you're, you're running at elevation. So your VO two max don't discount those three miles. That's like five miles for everyone
0: else. There we go. Good to know. (laughs) It is, it is kind of nice going somewhere else. You're like, wow, I can breathe a lot better. Um, Very cool. Well, one other topic I wanted to bring up. um, So I'm actually headed through the Bass Nation, our state tournament actually for Colorado. We're actually headed. We kind of do a interesting deal. Um, We try and go because we don't have a lot of big lakes here. We try and go uh, to another state and we'll host a single state tournament. So we're headed up to Lake Oahu this year, which I've been there before for another event. But a place like that, I mean, it is so cool up there, but it is desolate. I mean, it is not a big city like all the places, it's tiny, right? Everything up there in comparison to uh, Birmingham or anywhere where you may have a, you know, Lake Hartwell, where there's a big city nearby. What kind of challenges do you face going somewhere like that compared to, you know, a, a normal place that's got a, a bigger city next to it? Sure,
1: absolutely. It's a great question and uh, you know we we were at oahu It's about three four years ago um yep. last and 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 you're right it's it's definitely not as as populated as some of the other locations the fishing is is off the hook yeah, right now lovely. um i mean it's <laughs> there i'm, I'm if, if there's one person who gets texts everyone texts photos of fish. I get more photos of people catching fish on weekends. I All bet you do. Like, hey, you got to see, you got to see what we're catching. You got to see what you're catching. So the right. photos that I'm getting from people in Hawaii, um, who somehow my my cells tends to get passed around, are, it's just phenomenal what's happening out there. They're convinced we're going to get the state record, and they're talking century belts and, and things like that. So wow. it definitely can be challenging. Um, we, like I was saying a little bit earlier, just with which with getting different cities from different locations, it's important to mix it up um, for us. And and th- th- again, trying to be all things to all people. I mean, we we want to be able to appease uh, our, our fans that are watching at home on, on TV. We want to be able to to take care of the fans that are on site. When, when we go to Orange, Texas, I mean the the, the fishing there. Um, it's it's not as as big as some of the other locations that we go to, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we are still having a great competition. Um, Trip Weldon, who just retired, my counterpart on the tournament side, will always say that the most compelling classic he has ever seen is the Pittsburgh Classic because it was literally a game of ounces and, and you don't know who's going to win. No, no, one's going out there and it's, it's not a runaway. There's no blowout. Yeah. yeah one fish can change anything. So, so we, we take that into mind. And then when we go to orange, I mean, we, we easily can have 15,000 people there one day. I mean, they're, they're building huge events. So where I'm going with that, it's just the diversity o- Oahu represents that. That's a location that we've only been to once before um and and they've been very interested in in hosting us and and it's no secret they were a city that, that was we were talking to to try to see if we can make this past year happen and and it, we weren't able to to make it happen so we're like hey you know what we're committed if you're committed to us we're committed to you to make it happen so so we were able to get them on, on the 22 schedule we were grateful they were grateful the anglers i was really curious what they were going to say when when they were kind of all pre-fishing it and and you know, they always hold their opinions close to their hearts or they don't want to give too yeah. much away. But but then they start showing the big photos. And, and I mean, <laughs> we, we saw some big fish from, from those guys as well. And, and you know, everyone's talking about what's it going to be like. So um, if you describe, I've heard a lot of people say, well, this is going to be our dark horse event. No one knows what to expect. You talk to the folks in Oahu, they're like, we know what to expect. We're going to catch monsters up here. Yeah. Um, but from an infrastructure standpoint, yeah, as long as there are hotels that are there, um then and and there are um, there there's a casino there that that we're taking over um Mm -hmm. we're we're good because again we it took us a little bit but we had to figure out how to bring which we call our our, our traveling circus (laughs) to anywhere and when we say anywhere anywhere i mean we I mean, it, it would be nice if, if there was power that we can plug into, um, if there was a phone, a dedicated phone line um, that we sure. can, if, if there's no internet service of any sort, then we can't show our, our live show. Mm-hmm. Um, if those, if those um, infrastructure items are there, we'll plug into them. Uh, but if they're not there, we have to be prepared to, to be 100% remote and nimble. And, and we, we figured that mix out. Um, so we are the, the advent of, um, cellular technology, basically that that's good enough to transmit a high definition television signal really was a game changer, uh, for a lot of sports, ours included. So we're able to tap into a, a cellular network and we're, we're looking at ways to, um, go beyond that and, and work with, with satellites and, and different things like that. So if there's no cellular network, we, we have an, another opportunity, you know, we do other shows, television shows for, uh beyond bass I, I think some people are aware of that and, and we're we're currently doing a saltwater series right now on another network uh and they go 200 miles off the shore and and there's no cellular service out there so we're, we're we're using these other events that we're doing to try to figure out ways to improve bass and and what we're talking about here
0: so well i that's a pattern that i keep hearing um, through your conversation whether it be through Fox or even when you were with ESPN, it's taking and really paying attention to all these other sports and all these up and coming things and, and taking, okay, wait, wait, maybe this drone footage we could use here and, and seeing and seeing how to improve it and bring it back to bass. And I think that's a great way to look at things and say, how can we improve by checking out what all these other sports are doing? I think that's a great way to do things.
1: Sure, absolutely. And, and you'd be wasting your time if, if you didn't. If you're trying to invent something that's already been invented, um, it, it's a matter of being willing to have those conversations. Some people are going to say humbling yourself. I, I've never had that attitude. I was taught the way that, that I'm describing right now. It's like, yeah, let, let's look and see what everyone else is doing. But then let's figure out if it makes sense for us and then figure out how to apply it to us there's a lot of ideas that, that we're presented with or that we see that, or that I might like, and then I may take to our TV crew. It's like, Eric, yeah, that's really cool. That has no place in our world whatsoever. Sure. And, and, and they may say the same thing to me about some, some fan experience or something like that. But yeah, there, there's so many good observations or so many things that are interesting that are happening um, right in front of us. And then the other thing too, I mean, our fans a lot of them, and we appreciate you more than, than, than you know, the people who just watch fishing, but we're making the assumption that there are people that are also watching college football, college basketball, these other sports. So if they're seeing it somewhere, they may be able to resonate um, and better okay. identify with it in, in our sport when the anglers come up to the stage. We have a walk-up song. I mean, what sport does that? Baseball does that. Yep. I mean, I mean, that's no hidden secret. People are like wait, they have their own walk-up music like baseball, and I'm like, yes, I love when I hear people.
0: Say <laughs> yeah, that. exactly. They're
1: making that correlation, and that's important to, like I said, those those new fans that they're they're making that that the correlation is is helping them stay just a little bit longer and, and potentially get that much more interested in it. Wait a second, what else are you doing? I think it's important for us to use the the traditional chants on site, uh, like "We will rock you," stuff like that, that you see at other sporting events, because okay. we are a sport, and and that's what sports are doing in general. So that's why it's like we're not taking a page from someone else's playbook when it comes to this. This is our playbook, um, the, the the world of sports, and this is what you see. So,
0: sure, making that connection uh, for the viewer, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, when you first came into bass, when you saw bass fishing firsthand and you saw this, this sport and everything with it, w- were you blown away with these bass boats that go 75 miles an hour and all this stuff? Were you just like, holy moly, what are these guys doing? I mean, what were your initial thoughts? Right. Would that happen?
1: Sure. Absolutely. I was blown away. Um, yeah. I, and, and I may have said it a little bit earlier. The, the first event that, that I saw was the classic. And I always use myself as an example with, with people that are, are new to the sport that we're talking to, whether it's a sponsor or a fan or, or someone who's- Or a city,
0: right? I mean, a city it, man, uh, or a representative. From- oh, my
1: goodness. Yeah. We spend more, I, I spend more time on Zoom, especially the past two years, literally on Zooms in front of- county commissions and and different boards in the COVID year. I had to explain our events and 95% of the people that we're talking to have no idea what, what our event is about. So what
0: their resource they have right next to them, this Lake, right?
1: Exactly. And it's like, and, and, and helping them understand it. It's like, you know, we can help you secure statewide funding um, to be able to improve your your ramps and and your takeoff areas that that you will be able to make a direct correlation to more business and more tourism and we do that behind the scenes with a lot of cities but yeah it comes down to explaining that you look at us as another way to drive um your, your economy there's a lot of Dayton tennessee is a perfect example of a, a city that that did yeah. that and use the economics of bass fishing to to um, help their town financially
0: um, Sorry, but go back. Yeah. That was a little bit of tangent there, but go back to your, your initial thoughts there of, of bass fishing or explaining explaining to all the different folks.
1: Sure. Um, yeah, the classic was the first event that I saw and and mm-hmm. I use me as an example saying if, if I could be wowed by this, anyone can because I saw a lot of those connections and and I love when I'm talking to someone new because I've been involved in this for longer than some of our fans have been alive now, which is weird to say. <laughs> um, but, yeah. uh, um, I love when I hear people say all this for fishing and I'm like, yeah, isn't it great? I mean, isn't it crazy? I mean, at the end of the day, it's crazy. And it it's is. like, we're doing all this for fishing. It could be any sport, but yes, we're doing that. And it's important to do that. It's important to be able to, this is us justifying the lifestyle and, and making people feel good about their lifestyle choices and, and, and being part of the sports and, and the sport that they did with growing up, whether it was their great grandfather, their grandfather, or, or they're picking it up for the first time. We, we do an event every once in a while in central park in New York, where we, we take kit. Uh, we, we just basically do casting. We were up there with Mike Iaconelli a couple of years ago and yeah. he was casting from this boat. And people don't believe me when I say, I say this, we have the footage on camera um, that we got or on video. I mean, um, there were kids in tears that were so happy when they learned that they, that, they, they were launching basically a, a fishing program in central park that they, that we were helping them launch so they can go and cast and fish right there in their own neighborhood wow. and those are the types of things that, that we love doing and, and taking it to the masses but yeah i was blown away i mean just the the sheer speed like like you said the boats and and i mean i had to get on a boat and those are the types of, if we can get someone who's new to the sport on a boat for the first time they're going to be hooked because i tell them like i was hooked and, and obviously I wouldn't have chosen to stay in, in this line of work if, if I wasn't a believer and I didn't follow the passion. I mean, I have a passion now. I mean, That's what drives us to wake up at, at crazy hours and work crazy weeks. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I always remind our crew here, like, remember the first time that, that you like really saw it or really got into it, because that, that's kind of what keeps you going. And then and then the sure spectacle of it. That was the last thing that I was expecting. I mean, and like I said, we have to make sure we preserve the history and the romanticism behind fishing, uh, but then also find room to usher in the new technology that, that, that's on, on board. And, and the, I mean, we're spending a lot of time with a video game developer um, based out of London and there there's so much popularity uh, in that it's, it's ridiculous, but it's making sure, again, we, we market to the to the right audience. So we're not screwing that up. And, and so the, the, the someone who might be not to say that they're not into video games, but we want to make sure we're targeting the right audience with the right component of the sport. I was so fascinated, but that I didn't realize how many facets of the sport there really were. Um, I mean, you could be a gear junkie. I mean, you could be, I mean, a motorhead, basically. I mean, just the, the boat, the engine, obviously. I'm saying things that everyone obviously listening is, is well aware of. I'm referencing the first time I was exposed to it and was caught off guard by all that. And that's what attracted me to the sport to be able to understand um, how involved it was. And, and I think one of the more common questions that I get from people, uh, specifically cities and politicians, is isn't this all a game of chance? And, and I love that question nice. and uh, I just smile and uh, I'm like, well, how much time do you have?
0: <laughs>
1: and, uh, and I'm like, no, it's not a game of chance. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, but that's where a lot of people's men- mentalities are. And you have to respect that in order to be able to get new fans. Cause that's what, at the end of the day, we should all be about. We should all be about growing the sport. Yeah. You hear your people, but then there's going to be more people taking my sponsor. I'm not going to have enough room to get my, whatever. It's like, no, I mean, we all win the the more the sport gets elevated and it's helping people understand, um, again, appeal to your purists, the the people that that have been fans with us and and partners with us and supported us throughout the years. We're going to continue to support you. Um, and then we want to do everything we can to bring new participants into the sport.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and to me that, that argument, um, I used to totally go down that road of, okay, well, if we have more anglers, this and that, well, um two things there one when you bring more anglers in you also bring in more help for these fisheries you bring in the other side of conserving and all that side of things but the other thing is something that happened to me over these last couple of years so my brother uh speaking of chicago um uh wrestled at northwestern okay. and ended up winning the ncaa title this year at 157 pounds and Dude, that's awesome yeah it's incredible and um uh, anyways that I, I wrestled a little bit growing up, like at, at a young age in high school, I did. I played football and played other sports. And uh, he was so dedicated to wrestling and had gotten to this huge pinnacle. And I became such a fan of wrestling watching him. And, and through all this stuff, I listened to podcasts on it, I'm watching it live, I have subscriptions, I have all this stuff. And this is again collegiate wrestling, and now he's looking at kind of the Olympic and world team stuff. But I have I know all the players in it, I'm not a wrestler at all. I'm, I'm a fan of that sport completely. And I know the talk, I know all the ins and outs, but I don't do it. Right. So that, that kind of a thing to me, I think that there's room for that in the fishing world as well of folks who are just very, very interested in what is going on, but aren't necessarily going to go and buy a boat and go do this, or maybe they're going to fish at a pond or whatever it may be.
1: Oh definitely. Absolutely. And and it's a question that I, I don't get that often anymore, but, but it comes up every once in a while. And, and what I like to tell people is, you know, I, I mentioned the X games. I think most people are familiar with that. I mean, yeah. how many adults are actually out there skateboarding or dropping <laughs> sure. off of a bird? So we did the winter X games more than the, the summer X games or or getting in a in snowpipe or up at the super superpipe, I should say, um, yeah. or flipping an ATV on, on ice or something like that. People aren't doing that. The great outdoor games is what brought me to ESPN. That was all about timber sports. I never climbed a 70, 80-foot tall tree. I was fascinated with it yeah. um, and, and all the different events that, that we were doing. So, or professional soccer, I mean, uh, and, and things like that. Yeah, I played casually. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of the – I don't play baseball. I, I mean, I, I was sure. – I think the last time I, I swung a bat – Um, and that's the correlation again, that I'm making with other sports, um, and, and the personality. And it's no different than that being a fan, like you said, with your brother at wrestling, who obviously is very good and smart to be at Northwestern. yeah Uh, but, uh, my brother went to Northwestern. He was a smart one in the family. Oh, really? There you Um, go. Yeah. And, uh, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely the same. And sometimes, uh, because fishing is extremely participatory, it's, it's a little more unique than, than a lot of other sports. I mean, it, it gets more compared to sometimes people say, well, like golf, um, but there's tons sure. of people that watch golf. I don't really play golf, but
0: I mean, I'll watch masters. Yeah. I'll watch
1: them. I'll watch the masters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so, so in those regards, it's, it's, it's very similar. And again, that's our, our goal and our role to, to like, you know, it's, this is, this is a traditional sport. It's, it's just like all the other ones, because like you said, to your point, um, and, and I think what, what I was kind of leading into as well is that when, when it grows from, from a conservation standpoint, I mean, those are all the things that I haven't even gone down that path. But yeah, we absolutely offset. So We have a full-time conservation director on staff with us that that lobbies uh, on behalf of Bass, which is the over 500,000 members that we have, um, to preserve waterways and, and protect access rights. I mean, that that is his full-time job. He's He's in front of some state legislation, or, or in Washington D.C. making sure that that we have clean water, safe water, um, and and that the fisheries are are protected and continue to grow. Um, that that is very important, and and we as a governing body have the absolute responsibility to make sure that we are taking the strong lead on this. Um, that's why we implemented uh, cleanups at. at Lakeside cleanups at a lot of our events that we're going to be doing moving forward uh, we, and, and advertising. We've been doing a lot of that stuff behind the scenes, but we're like, we have to get that word out in order to grow that participation and get different companies. i um, like, AFCO is, is a great partner of ours in, in those cleanups, um, but doing more things like that. So it does get more visibility. Um, so beyond the, I mean, it was like, people are saying, yeah, absolutely. You just want to sell more gear. It's like, we're not selling anything from our <laughs> standpoint, but we have a magazine that, that we... We hope people subscribe to, Um, but uh, our our sponsors are selling and, and, but again, it's, it's promoting everything that goes with the sport. The sport in our instance is a lifestyle and it's a culture. So we, we support the culture, the lifestyle, uh, that, that represents the world of fishing, specifically bass fishing. That is definitely one of the unique things about this, which I think, which definitely attracted me and which I think is one of the more attractive components, you don't necessarily talk about the the lifestyle associated with baseball or the lifestyle with football, but, but bass fishing, fishing in general. Absolutely. That's a culture.
0: Yeah. No doubt. The culture and the passion, man. That's what that's what I think the draw is. And that's what, what it is for a lot of people. So it's it's, it's really cool to me to see your background of, of not having a fishing background and pushing and seeing that and being drawn to it um, makes it such a unique story. And uh, I think it's really important um, to see its power. But uh, we will wrap things up here, Eric. Uh, first off, I'm curious, do you ever get out and fish now being in the fishing industry and doing what you do? Do you mess around? And Are you able to get out and fish?
1: Once in a while, you know, it's, it's one of those things that uh, this was said to me when I was a young buck, 18 years old, Um, We said, told me, and it's definitely true here, never work in the sport that you, uh, that you partake in because (laughs) you're so close to it and you're never going to be able to do it. So, so I get out once in a while, just, just for fun. Like if we're um, not, we we don't fish at any of the lakes that we have competitions on for obvious reasons, but like if we're going on a site survey or something around town in Birmingham, but then I take a look at our tournament department and they're saying the same thing. It's like, you know, we're going to the best bodies of, of water in, in the world and they don't have the opportunity to fish because they can't or because of time. And it's just funny at the end of the day, hearing them say like, you know, people who live, breathe, eat, competition, fishing. And uh, um, and they're like, you know, I just, I, I don't find time because we're, I mean, it's, it's not a woe is me thing, but we're, we're always working. And, and it's funny that that's really true in, in most sports you, you work and you, you find that that tends to be the case but okay. yeah, I get out there every once in a while. I mean, it's like, uh, you go on a site survey, it's like, Hey, I want to show you the water. You know, those photos, let, let, let's go check it out. So yeah, absolutely.
0: Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, last, the last thing for Eric would be, um, you've, you've had some awesome advice on and really walked us through how you got into your position with your career. But if there's someone out there right now that is interested in working in their passion and, and finding that situation and getting to where, I don't know. Someone like yourself, it, this is what the show is built on was folks. I mean, you can see it in the way that you talk about this, how much passion you really have finding that and, and working towards that. Do you have any advice for someone that's maybe was the young Eric back in college and looking for what they wanted to do?
1: Sure. Absolutely. And, and, and like I said, um, at, at one point I didn't realize while I was in it, that that was going to be my career path. I, I was taking a semester off here, And there every once in a while, or I was giving up my summers and then making up for it when I'd go back to school to finish on time. Um, But it was something that I I just didn't understand. And it was something that that was fun. Um, And then I I started, it wasn't until I started like talking to people, you you know, it's funny, there's so many people that I know want to talk to us and, and get embarrassed or they're they're, they're sheepish. And I, I get that. I mean, uh, but I mean, I'd, I'd be willing to speak speak to anyone who has questions to see what it's like. Internship opportunities are, I think, are, are significant um, in, in our world. You really need to be able to see the day to day. And I always used to chuckle at the number of people. When I was at ESPN, we would, no exaggeration, the company would get about 15,000 unsolicited resumes a month,
0: unsolicited.
1: Just people um, just sending them, people just sending them for jobs that they're not even sure exist. Wow. Um, and, and they would get funneled to our department. And I would the ones that had like our area on it. And I, I would say, I'm like, you know, if these people could just see what the day to day was, I guarantee that they're going to change their opinion because they're, they have the wrong vision. So somehow figuring out a way um, to get involved. And, and then but then once you're doing that, you're taking a closer look to see what does getting involved mean? We have very little turnover here at Bass. Um, I think we have a couple open positions now, which is very unusual, Uh, but there's very little turnover. But you don't need to work at Bass to be part of the industry. I mean, the people that are listening to your podcast, all the different sponsors, um, there, there are so many different companies that we work with. I mean, so many companies that that they live, breathe, eat the sport as well. And and they're they're as much a part of the bass fishing world as, as we are as as the league. So you might have to get a little creative about how you want to get into the sport. If it's like, no, I absolutely want to work for bass. Just using us as an example, I don't know if people are, sure. about, but I absolutely want to work for bass. And it's like, well, what about one of the sponsors that works alongside Bass so or one of the, the dominant companies that are out there? Look at it. Look at what you're doing. I mean, you're yourself, you're finding that need um, that, that wasn't there. And and I applaud you for doing something like this. I mean, th- this is a, a great idea, um, yeah. but it's it's definitely trial and error. And in my case, which is why it's the advice that, that I, I give is I had a strong backup. It wasn't my, my plan A. It was something that i was doing while i was progressing towards something else Mm -hmm. um because following your dream can sometimes be that a dream and and it might not be realistic or it may take you years to figure out how to make it realistic i know a lot of people that were in the world of finance or other industries that Mm -hmm. that were in their later years and said like i finally took that risk i wish i did it sooner but they had families, they had to feed, and and or or anglers. We hear that from people all yeah. the time. That it's like you know, I want to be a professional angler. You mean gambler, or and I'm no angler. That's what we always say. And yeah. it's like just just think about what what you're. I mean, obviously, you have to take a hard look at your expenses. I mean, you have to do what you do, what we do. Look at the business side of things immediately. You have to put pen to paper. Can can I subsidize this lifestyle if it doesn't go in the direction? um, that I want it to go. If I can, maybe it is worth it. Maybe I need that backup for just a couple more years to make myself a little bit more solid. But, but most importantly, I think it's don't put all your eggs in one basket when it comes to just like one component, because every sport, every industry, bass fishing included, there's so many different things that, that there's so many different components where it's like, I can't get in here, but I can get in here, here or here. So,
0: Yeah. But dude, I, th- I think that's incredible advice. I think uh, what draws me to bass fishing and everything around this kind of a, a, a situation is there's so many different ways that you see people make it. Um, and not just speaking in the sport, but also on the business side of things. But you see guys who then turn pro when they're 35, 40, something in that range. You have the guy that did go all in in his 20s, but I'm the same way that you are. I mean, in my position now, I still am working on um, full-time but I went independent contractor with the company I work for in in similar finance but with farm and ranch real estate stuff and then I have this stuff going now and I'm the same way where I kind of feel like I had to have that that backup plan in place for kind of with what I'm doing and then you have guys who, who go all in but I like that that mindset because I don't think it's talked about enough of having a backup plan and then being flexible that there's there's different eggs in, in different baskets you can go a lot of different directions and if you keep at it and keep following those passions you'll kind of get there.
1: Sure. I believe it. You, you just have to want to do it. Meaning if you want to do it, you're willing to put in the hours. You're willing to put in the groundwork and and that's where the people who are willing to do that have have the best level of success.
0: Awesome. Awesome, Eric. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out and uh, have a great West year week and um, Yeah, I'm sure I would like to run into you sometime. You're probably extremely busy during the Classic, but the next time at an Elite Series event or a Classic, maybe I'll at least say hi to you in person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Shoot me a text. Okay. It'd be great to meet you. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Eric.
1: Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it,